This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses. On today's show, I have one of Canada's leading experts in brand building and communications, Almira Bardai. She has spent the last two decades creating powerful narratives for both domestic and global brands, including Flight Center, Granville Island Brewery, Nike, Best Buy, Future Shop, Molson, and Telus. She currently works with high-growth companies and CEOs strategically building their brand, PR, and communications. Um, I had so much fun talking to Almira, and we covered a ton during this episode. Uh, a few of the highlights that I want to share with you that we talked about are why it's more important than ever that we as women entrepreneurs truly claim our power, um, how she became more of a CEO by letting go of the do-it-all mentality, and of course, why PR is one of your best long-term marketing strategies. Elmira, welcome to Women Who Build Empires. I'm really excited to have you on the show, not only because you're one of the leading um, PR experts in Canada, you are just, you have such a warm heart and energy. And for me, that's such an asset in business building. So welcome to the show and share with everybody a little bit about who you are. So first of all, thank you for having me. And I felt such a connection when we had our original call. So super happy to be here and hope to be of service yeah. to you and to your listeners. Yeah. So I've been in the PR industry for 25 years and it's like, you know, you get that like piece of your heart that you're like, where's 25 years gone? <laughs> How did I manage? Like, wow, it's already been like such a long time anyways. And then I ended up as an accidental entrepreneur, but I've been an entrepreneur since oh, almost 20 years now. So almost as long as my career at, in PR and I've ended up running PR agencies. So typical been in PR and then extended to do uh, consulting. I had a small consultancy, which I then merged with another, my business partner at the time. And we grew it into one of North America's largest PR and social media agencies. I did an exit in 2018 and now have a nimbler, smaller firm uh, in doing more business brand building, working with entrepreneurs and C-suite at a top level, um, as well as managing their communications, their brand building and their executive thought leadership. And then I also coach women as well, working with women to grow their businesses to six and multi-six figures, as well as grow their visibility. I do believe that as you grow and scale the business, you one, women need to be more visible, but then if you do them together, they just feed off of each other to grow the business and grow your visibility at the same time. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why build a smaller um, agency? Mm -hmm. Like what was the, the catalyst yeah. for that? 
So building a big agency was so much fun. And, you know, we went from having our one office in Vancouver and originally actually what happened was, is, is that we decided to merge our small, our small consultancies and it would, we kind of, you know, looked at each other and it was like, we had this conversation one day is like, what do you love about running your business? And what do you hate? And I'm actually an introvert. So I don't didn't love the biz dev. And I knew, I knew I had to grow if I wanted to continue further with the business that I had, but she said she wants to do biz dev and I'd love to run the clients and run the business. So it was a natural idea that the two of us would work together. And we didn't know if we'd be successful. So we just, you know, used some contractors. But that first month we got so busy, we had to hire four contractors. And then it grew and grew and grew. And we had this vision of having our seven-figure business and then multiple offices, about 50 team members. And it was so fun. But as I felt like it it was always going to be the same in some ways. When you are managing something that is growing so big, there's more maintenance or more systems or an even um, higher level of maturity, which is great, but it requires even more systems, even more technology to sustain it. And the maintenance of it was, I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I'd had this vision of being at a senior level where I could bring in other partners just to do like key pieces of work or have contractors and be like a nimbler, more mature team. And as much as I also love mentoring, especially, you know, with younger people and getting into the industry and like, I look at the agencies in Canada and I've literally trained half the people here and it's so cool to see where they are in their careers, but I just didn't want to keep mentoring people. I wanted to work with people at a senior level and bring people in. And I'm very much like a puppeteer where my clients bring me in. I work with the CEO, president, entrepreneur, owner, whatever it might be. And they drop me in as a consultant to work with them on developing their brand, developing their PR and actually getting media coverage. And so for me, it was more about like the maturation of my career and where I wanted to be as an entrepreneur. And even just simple things about like, I want to bring in all the partners and get referral fees. You know, I didn't want my income just to be based on what my employees can do or having to mentor somebody or having to grow it. I wanted it to be different. And like I said, it was just kind of this dream about, I would just love to have this senior level group of people and we pull in people and we work where need be. And I'm, I'm the puppeteer. And so that's exactly what I've done. Cool. So it, it feels a little bit, to me, at least a little more boutique mm-hmm. then? Yeah, we were boutique anyways with um, the other business, but this is really boutique. Okay. And who do you love working with? Like, who's your yeah. favorite person to yeah. work with? Uh, funny enough, on my agency side, it's all men. And um, I think it's because, yeah, it's actually not women. <laughs> and I think it's because they just like my, I'm just going to get this done style. Women tend to ask a lot more questions, which is fine, but I just do enjoy mm-hmm. being like dropped in and sorting it out and fixing it. And also it's just like, I know what I'm doing. It's cool. Half of them, like, they're like, we have no idea what you're actually doing, but you deliver results. And I just think it's really fun to be in that arena. Humorously enough, my own team is all women. Cause I do find that women are like really nimble, multitask, you know, do all those things that we need, but all the clients are all men. And it's, it's so funny. Um, but I just, I naturally, I think it's my style that it naturally gravitates me, but then also by virtue of budgets, I think is one reason how I end up having more men as clients naturally, you know, what we've seen in the world is, is that male entrepreneurs do often have the budget to hire a PR person, or they've got a bigger company or the president. So I think that's a factor of what it has to do is just the, the nature of where our world currently is. And it makes me sad, (laughs) Uh, but we we're at where we're at. It makes me really sad too. And I have hope because I feel like women are really coming into the forefront, particularly in entrepreneurship, but the, the numbers are still telling, I think the, the true story of women take longer to grow businesses, like their revenues to grow. And in general, we, you know, private, I'm going to say small businesses 
earn about half of what male-led businesses earn in revenue. Even though female-owned businesses are the most stable, they'll give me, we've seen the venture capitalist numbers, right? Is is that there are, when when it's recognized that women are actually very strong leaders, female entrepreneurs have better performing companies, we're better in Oh but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still not there. And I think also women perhaps naturally been more led down like the corporate career path that's safer and not necessarily had entrepreneurship as a vision or a thought for themselves. But now that we can really see that you, you grow in your own destiny, you build your own dreams through entrepreneurship, seeing more and more women doing mm-hmm. that as well. So it's really exciting to see it happening. And like I said, on my coaching business, I work with female entrepreneurs to grow and scale their business. It's very, very cool to see the successes that they're having. But definitely one of the things is that they don't realize what experts they are. You know, one of my clients, she, um, She's Mm -hmm. a digital marketer and she's specifically focused on the South Asian community here in Canada. And she literally started the industry. And until we started working together, she didn't like, she realized her expertise, but she didn't own it. She didn't claim it. She didn't actually say it, that she'd started it. Women, again, going back to the the point about minimizing when we talked about before is just like, oh yeah, you know, I own a digital marketing company as opposed to I started this. I'm a pioneer in the industry, claiming your power. That's not necessarily something that women have done or are also comfortable with. You know, we've been taught to fit in, to collaborate. We're not taught to stand out. We're not taught to say, I am the leader of this. And yet there's so many women who are the leaders of big things. Yeah. I mean, for me too, like growing up, it was, you were to be seen and not heard. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was told to me, Never mind, just the general unconscious kind of conditioning and to break out of that. I'm going to say it was challenging, but it, it's interesting too, because there's so many different levels that I've seen it show up in the, over the years. Um, and I think that's still pretty pervasive, even though I think a lot of younger women are much more bold than my generation. One of my social media girls, she, I shouldn't say girls, but social media women, young women, she has a life coach at 25. And it's like, there's a whole generation of badass women out there now where everybody has a life coach and I love it. And like, there's apps for life coaching and stuff, all the stuff that we didn't have. And I love it. Mm -hmm. But yet on the flip side of it, I also seen women dealing with that, not being picked, not being chosen. You know, I think we all have those stories about like, well, I didn't get picked for this club or this friend. There's still a lot of like wounds out there that everybody's clearing up, but then it tends to translate into business because the... Mm -hmm not realizing their importance, their expertise. And then of course that layers into so many things like charging your worth or, you know, going for that big account, it still continues to play it out, but it's life. Things will always come up. I get it. But these are the, the, the trends or the patterns that I'm seeing when working with my female clients. Yeah. And do you see them transition? Um, Because I have this experience where when they start seeing some of the results and they're showing up a little bit differently and they really start like owning their value, it's like this aha light bulb moment. And that's when everything explodes for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. This was my client, the digital marketing client. She's literally been sending messages. She's like all the work that we have done. So my program is a six week program. We spend the first three weeks looking at the business and the second um, sessions, uh, three weeks looking at the PR side of it, elevating their thought leadership. And so her first messages coming to me for the new year have already been about like, it's all showing up. I just needed to get clear in myself 
but then I needed to have the energy and the confidence to project it because then it comes in. Right. I mean, we're, we're all dealing with the choosing to um, have the divine feminine way of attracting and it's attraction marketing, but you need to believe it first. Mm -hmm. You need to feel it first. And then you start to see the results and it really is quite crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I love that too, because when you get into that flow and that momentum, things come into you from like out of left field. Yeah unexpected, random, amazing things. And you have to be kind of open there to have it land in your lap. Because if you're too like hyper-focused, whatever channel or thing that you are doing, sometimes you can miss those. And that's one of the pieces in business is is that the business needs to be set up to receive it. So even myself, like it was funny because last year I was just like, well, I'm, I'm technically I'm a solo printer, you know, it's my business, my clients hire me, but then I've got contractors. So I was still like keeping track of people's deadlines. And, you know, people had, my team had questions they would ask me that I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? you're the CEO of this. Where are you elevating and elevating your mentality? And also is that, why are you working like so many hours to onboard a new client? Like where's your systems? But again, my mentality was like, oh, it's okay. I'm a solo, solopreneur. And I was like, no. And then I got my VA, she's the backbone of everything. I, I, I'm like, I don't even know what happens anymore. Kathleen just does everything. And thank God for Kathleen is what I say every single day. But she cleaned up my back end. And then I was like, okay, I need a project management system. So I decided to get ClickUp. And so it was on my reminders, like watch the ClickUp video. I'm like, why do I need to watch the ClickUp videos? <laughs> this is not revenue <laughs> generating. And I think it goes back to, it's just like, I have to know everything. And it's like, well, would you prefer to sleep? Would you prefer to get up early? Would you prefer to be present and have an uncluttered mind and be present with your child? And I think those are the questions that I even had to ask myself is, is that what is my definition of the CEO? You know, did I ever think of myself as the CEO? Because I I don't run a Fortune 500 company. I mean, I, it was funny. It was like, I was about to say I'd like to, but what I really like to, you know, I, I don't deal well with red tape and bureaucracy and all of that stuff. You know, I actually, so when I had my son, I, I ended up being offered a real job as I'll say. And it was great. It was totally awesome. And I was so glad I did it. But eventually it came to the point. It was like, why are they asking me to do stuff? And I was like, oh yes, because I'm the employee, you know? I couldn't imagine being in a leadership position where I did have to answer to somebody. Um, but going back to it is, is that I do believe that in business, we should all be embracing our CEO energy. But also, what does that mean? What does it mean for the duties and the roles that we take? Because again, I'm not like, I'm not just the business owner. Going back to how women minimize, I'm the CEO. I'm the CEO and, and the creator of my destiny. So what does it mean that I do? Yeah, yeah. So how do you define being a CEO? Then? My role is to have oversight and to be the, the strategist, the business owner, and to have that bird's eye view. And then one key thing on what I do with, with mine is, is that my clients do hire me for me. So like in terms of like my... It's funny, I was, I was about to be like, well, I don't want to be boastful, but they hired me for my brilliance. They hire me because they see that spark in me. I've got right. the clarity in there. Um, I'm all about human design right now and I'm a projector. And so I'm literally, my gift in life is to have clarity about other people's businesses. And so they hire me for that to be able to do the, the marketing and PR activities that will turn the needle for them. And so my job is how do I set myself up to get all of the support to be in my zone of genius and why my clients hire me. So they hire me for me, but then they also hire me because I'm great at client relations. So amongst those two things, as well as running the business, because this is my empire, 
going back to women who run empires here. If this is my empire, what is my actual role in the business? So what does that mean to then be a CEO? And it's like, I know that if my energy is drained, then I'm not going to be great with client relations. So what does that mean? And so how do I set up the back end of my life? You know, it's a domino effect. Or what is it that I set up in my business? And one thing that I learned, um, so in the agency, actually, I've got quite a few legit cryptocurrency clients. And one day, um, Elon Musk had tweeted about Bitcoin, but I was driving to daycare. And so I didn't know about this until I get back and like everything is exploding about crypto and Bitcoin and stuff like this. And we should have been doing media interviews for my client. But I was like, I literally can't be in two places at once. Like I can't be watching my phone and doing this. And so that's when I actually built better systems into my business. So now first thing in the morning, like I've got somebody monitoring the news and we're very specific and we have a reactive strategy and things like that. Because again, my mentality was like, oh, I'm a solopreneur. I can do all these things. It's like, no, 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 this is not, you have to change your mentality and you also need to change your systems and processes to be able to catch all the business and to effectively deliver. So that was, that was a wake up call to me. And I was like, every morning would be like, oh, what is Elon saying this morning? Which is a neat problem to have, right? What is Elon saying this morning? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was like, wow, that was a wake up call about what I didn't have in my business or how is it that if I choose to be this most present mother, what does that mean for my business and my systems that I need to have to be able to carry this all off well? Yeah. And, and I love everything that you're saying because you're not just like, oh, well, I'm just going to do all this stuff myself because yeah. I can't create a system. Right. Right. Cause then you're just bogged yeah. down and yeah. you're not getting yeah. mental clutter. Um, and always feeling like the feeling of always being behind. I don't like that feeling. I, I just like to get things done. But my problem is, is that because I like to get things done, I'm not necessarily digging deeper. I, I can tend to operate very much at surface level, but even if I do that, I'm still getting asked. So asked so many questions back. So it was really simple as like for my team, whenever we have team meetings, I record it with zoom and then I've ordered transcripts. So then like everything is date stamped. They know when to check everything and they don't have to ask me questions. And so I get my time back because for me and like an exploration, it was funny. Um, a few years ago, I went to a winter solstice and we pulled Oracle cards and mine was abundance. So in my head, it was like, oh, it's money, but abundance is more than that. You know, like it's, it's time wealth. What does time wealth, what, what is experience to me? It's not just about money. Um, and I think as we've all seen, like, I'm so sick to talk about COVID, but like COVID is elevated and it's changed how we think. So again, it's not about just about money. It's about time. It's about abundance. It's about mindset. And then taking a reflection back in my life, it was like, Hmm, am I really running it or having it the way that I thought it would be? Or what's my business actually fueling? Because if my business is doing really well, but I just have no time, like that's just an absolute disconnect. So where am I prioritizing and where am I also cleaning up my side of the street? I think that was a big one is, is that I can talk really well and I can talk a really good game, but I really had to take a deep look at my back end to really walk that talk because I, I wasn't because I just I, I wasn't CEO energy and I, I can't explain it I thought I was but again when I like when I'm taking off my boxes I'm like wow there's a lot of sloppiness there and I'm the one who's responsible for the sloppiness so now let's clean it up amazing did you watch the click up video no, I didn't it was literally on <laughs> So I love Siri for all the reminders because it's not possible that I can remind myself of everything, right? So it's even just like, take this to daycare. So it's always like, you know, putting Siri reminders in. But I think for two weeks, it was watch, click up videos, watch, click up videos, watch, click up videos. And then I was like, no. And it was so empowering to delete it and be like, that's Kathleen's job. It's not mine. And also 
Kathleen doesn't deserve that I micromanage her. She doesn't need me to watch the videos. Kathleen is hired to do her job and she's killer at it. She cleaned up my back end in a month, but it is her job. It is none of my business to be stepping in there. And even just like asking the questions, if I have any questions, we leave each other um, WhatsApp voice notes. Super great. We don't have uh, Voxer in Canada. We, we just use WhatsApp voice notes. Um, but it's, it's not my job to interview and Kath- interfere in Kathleen's job. And by doing all that stuff, and even if it's just a silly question, when I'm wasting her time, I could always Google it, but it's disempowering her. It's it's not empowering her to do her job well when I've got silly questions. Yeah. I like to have like a general knowledge of how all the things work, but like the detailed knowledge of how the project management system yeah. works. No. Let me know what yeah. I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly my job. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and their presidents tell them to stay out of it. They're just like, you come in with big shiny spoon ideas that actually don't necessarily work. And so the president ended up actually like creating, you know, systems around the entrepreneur and like all of the excitement and energy that we have, because sometimes we just need to be contained. Right. And so for them, there yeah. is the excited person and then there's the implementer. Right. And so it was like, you're actually causing chaos in the business when you do this. So it was like, let's have a conversation about all of your ideas or even just things that you want to see. And because the presidents would realize that there's value in what the entrepreneur has to say. And obviously they own the business, but there's value in those nuggets hundred percent. But how do we actually then stop like jumping around, changing priorities and stuff and are able to manage all of your excitement and all the things that you want to do. So it's more effective for the business because sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I think most of us generate ideas uh, as entrepreneurs very quickly. And then I know in my head and I've gotten much better about this. It's like, Oh, I want to do all these things all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, no. And then none of them happen. So it's like picking and choosing. I remember, gosh, in your thirties when you used to do these things, but like one of my girlfriends and I were accountability partners. And so we would meet every couple of weeks and have coffee and we'd look at our list of everything we want to achieve. And she said, Omira, do you ever feel like you actually want to achieve something? Like, what are you talking about? I'm achieving a lot. She's like, you're not completing anything. She's like, you have like anywhere from six to 15 projects on this. And also like, where does your personal life fit in? And I was like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. But I really truly thought that I was actually accomplishing something, but I wasn't. It would take me months to accomplish all of these things. So now it's just like, the art of just saying no, it is because it is an art. And it's like, it's gut wrenching sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, I really, really want to do this project. Right. But you're just like, no. And mm-hmm. I think motherhood forced me to do it because you have the chance to be present and to hold your baby. And I mean, you have kids, it's just, it flies by so fast. And it was like, what is it that I want at this point in my life? And I'm so glad I was a mother in my forties because I've built my big business in my forties. And, you know, I'm still doing well, um, but it's not as big as the previous one, but it was really fun to do that. And I had the time to do it, but more than anything, it was just like, like, just no, the answer is no, you are not doing it. And that was hard, but there's so much freedom and people talk about it all the time, but I never got it, but now I do. And also it's just really nice to like cross that thing off and be like, it's done. It's completed. I feel so much freedom when the thing is done. And I think in general, women have a hard time saying no, I know. We want to help everybody to the detriment of ourselves. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I got asked to be on a podcast that the host, I think she was in Europe or like the time difference was really off. Like it was completely off. I would have had to do 6.45 or I think it was like 8 a.m. But again, like 8 a.m. Sometimes sometimes I'll do it, but I don't really because I want to take, you know, hang out with my kid in the morning and then take him to daycare. But her assistant was like, do you think you can make it work? And I felt like a horrible person saying no, 
but I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to wake up early and do this. And it felt so selfish. It felt like, it felt like I was personally like attacking her and saying, no, that her podcast was not important enough for me to do. I do. I really had to get over myself. It was such a hard thing to say no to that, but I just, I, I, I don't want to do that. I want to have coffee in peace. I want to set up my day properly. Um, and yeah, there's some days I'll make exceptions for an 8am one, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do 645 in the morning. And again, I felt so bad and I shouldn't, I shouldn't. It's like, it fundamentally does not work for me, but yeah. 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 And for me, and maybe this is the same for you. Like I really do well when there's a flow in my mm-hmm. day and not like this really strict routine. Like there's an ish for everything, but things that are completely outside of my general schedule and my focus times, like it just doesn't work. It throws me out of, out of the flow too often and it takes too long to get back. And that's part of where I've learned to say no. I want to shift gears a little bit because PR is not Mm -hmm. my area. Why is it important? Mm -hmm. There's two reasons why it's important. One, why it's always important. And number two, why it's important during a recession. And so starting with the recession piece of it is, is that people are always going to consume content, no matter what happens, like budget cuts or whatever. We're always going to listen to podcasts. Now we're always scrolling on our phones. We're seeing content. So you always want to be in front of people in general, and then particularly during a recession. So if you have a business or something like that, you would probably going to cut back on digital marketing ads, or you might cut on your advertising business. And sorry, when I say business, I mean like a bricks and mortar business, you might be cutting back on traditional forms of advertising that cost money, but you can pitch yourself to a podcast, right? Just like you and I are having a conversation, you know, it doesn't cost money unless of course you get a PR person to pitch you. It doesn't cost money to pitch. And then you would get onto a podcast interview. People would hear you. They'll love what you're saying, of course, and they get into your tribe and they become your buyers, your customers, or if you're a coach, they come into your tribe, they follow me on social media, and ultimately they end up working with you as a coach. So that's the idea of why you always want to do PR. And so when I talk about PR, 25 years ago, when I first started, it was getting in radio, TV, and print. So newspapers or magazines. And of course, the industry has evolved so much that it includes blogs and podcasts, as well as paying for interviews. Back when I started, it was just an absolute no-no. You would never pay for coverage, but given the shrinking um, media in, well, frankly, all across the world, that um, if it's a good publication, why not pay for it? It's super easy. And often I actually like working with paid opportunities. So I'll get my clients into a paid magazine and we'll work with the writers to craft a really great story based on an interview. Um, if you were doing the free PR, so pitching yourself to get into radio, TV, online, a print or podcast, you don't have the ability to approve it. Whereas when you do paid stuff, you actually get to approve it. So you get to craft an awesome narrative. But the point about being all the, being out there is, is that the media is still very influential. There may not be a lot of media out there, but it's still extremely influential. And it's seen as giving third party credibility and val- validation when you are e- either covered. So they'll do a story on you or you're interviewed about a topic um, or about a trend, you're a go-to media expert, you are seen as the expert. And so that's the idea is is that you're seen as an authority or your business is seen as amazing. It gets new people in there. And it's it's a huge piece of brand awareness. Oftentimes it becomes something that can lead directly to sales, but not always. I mean, just again, the nature of the media and sometimes social media or digital ads have more power to bring in actual customers. But the idea is, is that it increases your profile, brings more people into your world. They become customers. They rely on you. And there's the authority. 
for somebody who's a coach or, I mean, frankly, any business owner is, is that if you win an award or you're interviewed by the media, you get to put the, their logo on your website. Again, reinforcing your importance, your expertise, your authority, you get to charge more. So it, it's a nice little cycle there. And then also in talking about PR, one of the big things for my female clients is encouraging them to apply for awards. Frankly, I do it for all of my clients, even in the agency, but especially for women, there's a number of awards out there. There's entrepreneur awards out there and it's recognizing you as an expert. And if you are a finalist or win an award, the organization does free PR for you. How nice is that to get free PR? Right. And it all goes into your bio. Again, establishing yourself as the authority. And I think people might look at it and be like, well, it's just vanity. It's just vanity metrics. Um, No, actually not. It really is establishing yourself as the expertise. You would be winning an award if you weren't good enough to do it. So I think it's a lot of validation of our own hard work that we do. And we rightfully deserve to be recognized as award winners, as successes, no matter men or women. I mean, it's human nature to be nice to be recognized, but people deserve to be recognized for all the good and the cool stuff that they do. So why not? It's just cool. Yeah. I mean, I like to see it when my friends win awards because they deserve it. And I know they've worked hard not only to be in a place to be considered for an award, but to just be in that space in general. And it's nice to celebrate them. To celebrate all of your hard work and your successes. It's so nice. Yeah. And what about in a recession? Like, how can that benefit you? People are still spending money. I was actually talking to a financial advisor a couple of days ago, and she was saying, apparently this was the biggest Black Friday ever. So people are still spending money, but we could see consumer spending being cut. But people will still invest Mm -hmm. in services like coaching, or perhaps it's in their health. So if there's a health podcast and you are a nutritionist, that's absolutely worth it. So you can get new clients. So again, in a recession, people are still, still spending money, but they're being they're paying more attention to where they're spending their money. So that's why it's even more important during a recession to be interviewed or to be part of a podcast or a newsletter, whatever it might be to get in front of people. So people will still spend money. It's just how much money they spend and what value are they getting it out there during recession? People also tend to hibernate. So are they staying at home and wanting to learn a new skill? What could you do there? Do you have something that you can put out there as a course? Or if it's your business and you're like, oh gosh, like we're in a recession, there's going to be like less spending on consumer goods. Maybe you're doing something really cool. Um, If you're a yoga studio, you could have some special yoga days or something like that, right? And you can get more consumers into your business. You know, people are going to be fighting for dollars. So if you can be the the bee's knees, the cool thing, right? They're going to come to you and they're going to spend money with you. That's why it's still so important to do it. And I've always thought that PR is more of like a long tail, what I refer to as a long tail um, marketing strategy in that it takes a little time to get results. It's not as quick as going out, making a phone call. And and, um, so what's the timeframe in, in kind of seeing that expansion and expertise and authority getting on a platform. Sometimes it can be as long as a year because it just does take that long. Okay. You know, I've got some clients who are, um, one of them is a cybersecurity expert and he is out East in Canada, but the media have been using another go-to expert for years. So getting this guy in, it's literally been like every single time somebody writes a story, we go in and we pitch my client instead. And it can take up to a year because once you're already in the media databases, so particularly the TV media, they keep a database of experts. So every time there's a story or somebody who needs comment, they're just going to literally click into their database and see who the expert is. So trying to get known, first of all, to get in people's databases, then become the go-to. So it can take up to a year. 
And the way that you first do it is, is that if you have like nothing to say, you're kind of still starting your business, post on LinkedIn, post on your blog, do some videos on Instagram, starting to get familiar with sharing your expertise in your topic. And then you can start pitching yourself to media or looking out if there are any like publicity days are my favorite because they're just so easy to work with, especially if media are going to be covering them. So if you're a florist, of course you should be doing something for Valentine's Day, right? But make it cool. It's like not just talking about flowers for Valentine's Day, but is there something on a podcast you can talk about or your local TV station? Particularly if your consumer is an older consumer, they are still watching TV. They're not watching Apple TV. So that's also where you're putting together your PR plan is, is that where does my customer reside? If you're trying to get like millennials, you're not going to bother getting on TV, but you might see if there's a YouTube channel that you can be on and that you can pitch, like, is there a certain date? Where would you fit into that new cycle or that story? Um, if you have a company that's doing electric vehicles, like bam, that is a story. And that's actually something could, that could jump right away because that is very, very topical. So those are the ones which would not necessarily be the long tail play. Um, those could happen sooner and just be able to get out there, especially if there's a competitor to Tesla or I mean, when Rivian also launched, there was quite a bit of um, news about them as well. Um, so if you're a commentator, if you're a financial, um, uh, analyst talking about electric cars, like boom, there's a story right there. But other than that, yeah, it could take six months to a year. And so continuing to pitch. And even if you don't hear back from media, when you do your pitch, still keep at it once a month, come up with a fresh new idea. The media don't think it's their job to respond to you. So don't get discouraged if you're pitching and hearing crickets. It's totally normal. And it's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's with yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have, people don't have time to respond to every single thing. Sometimes they and I know, I mean, at least from the the pitches I get with podcast guests, like sometimes I would love to have somebody on, but I'm booked out for so long. It's not even Absolutely. worth it. Come up with fresh new ideas. That's the big one is, is that, you know, you as the podcast host, I'm sure you have so much to do that you want to be pitched on a fresh topic. Like give me ideas. Make sure that you are using um, a tip to everybody is that make sure you're using a really great email subject line. We all get so many emails. So if you're trying to pitch somebody, like if it's some, I don't know, some jargon, or if it's a really boring email subject line, I'm not going to open it. I don't even open boring subject lines for newsletters that I want to be subscribed to. You know, if it's boring, delete, I'm not interested. Um, so it yeah. has to be attention grabbing. And even just in writing a pitch, it can't be too long. It should be between three and four paragraphs. Use some bullet points, bold things, because journalists in the traditional media industry are just slammed and even podcast pitches. Like it's just, we live in a busy world. Make it easy. Put in some bullet points about what your topic could be that you want to talk about. Awesome. Now you have a super cool mm -hmm. guide also yeah. that uh, you're going to give yes. to everybody. Can you yeah. share that? Too? So it's my top three ways to get free PR. And it, PR is actually so simple. And I think that people get, there's, there's so many myths about it. And I need to be like super famous or publicity or all good PR is good PR. It's, um, so this actually just mm -hmm. tells you how to do PR, gives some super easy, quick tips and tricks to be able to do it and send you off on your way. Because like I said, PR is super easy. It does take time to do it. Um, my passion is really getting female entrepreneurs, I mean, all entrepreneurs, but really getting female entrepreneurs more recognized. So if I can give this out and help women get an interview, do it. That's what it's there for. Yeah. So we'll have yeah. the link in the show notes yeah. for that. And I want to encourage all of the women who are listening, play a bigger mm -hmm. game. Yeah. Yeah. Like if this is our time, there's, there's a space opening up for women to make bigger shifts, bigger changes in the world in whatever your business is. And one of the things I love in these conversations with the clients I'm working, women that I meet networking is that we all have 
just a slightly different way to approach our industry that's that's still different and and changing the way it's been done for the last however many decades or sometimes even hundreds of years. And that's so amazing. Absolutely. You know, if, if there's another woman who you meet who's doing the same thing, it shouldn't be competition, not at all, because it's not about competition. It's about abundance, yeah. that there's more expertise. There's however many billion people in the world. Like we need to know more people to be able to get in front of people. So as you say, it's everybody has a slightly different, unique twist on it. And not everybody is a fit for everybody else. So also not taking it as um, hurting your self-esteem, you know, because there's either the sense of competition or I'm not good enough. Like forget all of that garbage. That's all like mind junk. Focus on you, focus when you do that so awesome and collaborate and work together because we can all work together to bring in more business, to impact more lives, to do really cool things in the world. Yeah, I love what you said, mind junk. How do you get rid of that? Do you have a process, a, a practice, a ritual, a thing to keep you I talk to myself. in that space? I talk to myself a lot, you know, and um, I was listening to this one money coach, Amanda Francis, and she journals a lot. Um, there's like her, her practice is just journaling, but me, I kind of just like yell in the car a lot or, you know, just yell in the shower or talk to myself. But also one of the things I learned is, is that the mind doesn't like avoid. So you can like unjunk yourself all that you want, but until you replace it with something else, you actually won't change it. But also when I'm de-junking, is that a new word I'm going to come up with? When I'm de-junking, I also like clear it from my body. I mentally think about what part of my body this story, this thing is sitting in. And it's just like, even sometimes I just like, I'm very curious. I want to do an energy healing course because I'm so curious about it. But it's just like, if I feel like a negative word or a negative feeling, like maybe it's around my shoulder or oftentimes I'll feel things like around my head or at the back of my neck, which is where your subconscious is. I'll literally put my hands and like kind of dust it off or dust it off around me and just literally clear it out of my system. Again, I have no idea what I'm doing because I know very little about energy, but it feels like there's a word or a concept or an emotion or a narrative or a story just like sitting there. And I just kind of talk to it sometimes I'll yell at it. Um, but also I know this, that if you make things feel welcome, they actually go away faster. So I'll have a conversation with it, but mine is done through talking. Like I said, said, some people are journaling, but for me, it's just like talking it out and then clearing it. I'll then take a selenite wand and I'll just clear. I'm going to start using de-junking. Yes. yes. Make it a word. Great. We can hashtag that for this episode. I love it. It's in the new Emmy. Dictionary. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, everything that you're saying resonates with me and I totally agree with you. Like sometimes if you're inviting the thing in that is hanging on you and not a good way, it does dissipate as opposed to just trying to like rip it off or shove it away because you're acknowledging that it's there and then it's easier to let go. I know. It's amazing the power that the past or everything has on us. I was just doing a Marianne Williamson course and I was talking about like the past actually doesn't mean anything. The past doesn't even exist. It's just like, wow, all this concept that we're learning, but yeah, the path doesn't even exist. It's crazy. It's gone. I know, I know, but it has so much power on us. But again, going back to the, the mind doesn't like avoid it's because we don't know what the future looks like. So we hang on to the past, but it's about the present, right? So, so much learning. Yeah. Yeah. I love our conversation. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah. So Instagram is usually the easiest just by virtue of spelling my name, Almira. (laughs) So it's A-L-M-I-R-A-B, Almira B on Instagram easier to, uh, to find it. Um, but then there's also my website, www.almirabardai.com. But like I said, Almira B on Instagram, I'm the only one easiest way to catch me there. 
Amira, it's been so wonderful to have you on and we have to wrap up. Oh my gosh, already. Thank you so much. I loved our conversation. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. One final thought or quote or something that you wish you could have shared with um, yourself, your younger self. Mm, Don't worry so much. I think that's what my older self is telling me. Don't worry so much. It's okay to let it go and things will turn out. They may not turn out. It is so true. They may not turn out how you want them to, but it'll turn out better than you ever thought possible. That's, that's a big one for the older me, I think. That's a really, really good one. Thank Thank you. you. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you. 